You know, the thing about being in this pandemic, the virus and all like that, is everything is so unsure. Uh, predictions are made and some of them are true, most of them are not. The fact is, we don't rightly know what's coming next, and this worship service this morning has been the same way. We've been working out some elaborate plans, because there was going to be a group over there, and I was looking at Brenda Craig. She was going to tell me exactly when they were ready for me to start preaching over here, and then just before we started, forget all that, just go on. So we're... We're flying by the seat of our pants, all of us. I'm here today because, as you know, Gary uh, is on a much-needed sabbatical, and we just uh, told him to go away and enjoy his family and rest up and come back recharged. He's been carrying an awful lot, and so you get me today. And uh, I, I knew this was coming, and I already had, uh, last Sunday, I was sitting right out here, and I had my sermon already prepared. And it was a good one, I thought. <laughs> you were going to love it. But as I was listening to him, and this has happened a lot over the years, the Lord began to put something on me and I tossed that thing and redid the whole thing based on what I heard him saying because I wanted to start kind of with where he was and go from there. And of course, that's the way he's designed all this. These, these uh, sermons are all designed to come from uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the, the different lessons. And so they're designed to do that. And so mine's going to be along that line. You were listening to the scripture that the young man so ably read while ago. You know that. Those are words that are familiar. But I want to focus in on a part of those that's very startling. It's one of those, you know, the, 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 the name of this series is, say what? Well, this is one of those, what? Because God is saying in this, here is a man who's coming to worship. Now, he says some things before and he says some things after, but I want to focus on this. Here is a man who is coming to worship. He is bringing his gift to the altar. Now, I want you... Put this in today's terms. You're coming through the door. You're coming to sing songs. You're coming to offer prayers. You're coming to commune with the Lord. The startling thing is the, man, the Lord says to this man, hold it right there. I don't want your gift. There's something you need to fix. Before you bring that gift. Something I want you to do. Before I'm ready to receive your gift. Before I want to hear your songs. Before I want to hear your prayers. Before I want to, you to commune with you. There's something you need to tend to. There's something amiss between you and your brother. And I want you to go fix that first. Now. Let me put this in context and kind of start with where Gary was. Remember, he reminded us last week about the rabbi. You went to the rabbi and you said, Rabbi, we know you're, you're, you're wise and, and, and all understanding and you're a holy man. And you ask about the, the rabbi's yoke. 
Now, this was only the leading, the top rabbis, the ones that had authority, the, the Shemekah, the only that had that, because they could develop a theology. And the theology was based, basically, on what comes first, what's most important, what's the number one commandment? What's the number two commandment? What's the number three commandment? Because these were God's priorities as they understood them. This was how they developed their theology. And Jesus recognized that. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus went with that. If you know, he said the first and greatest commandment, they would come ask him, which is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I'll tell you what the second one is. is love your neighbor as yourself. So this, this hierarchy, you see, the, the idea was that you could never break the, the fifth commandment, whatever it was that, that was that, this, that the rabbi developed. You could never break the fifth one unless it was to keep a higher one. Because you recognize there were things more important. They're not all the same. A lot of things are good. They're not all the same. Some are more important than others. And that's what this theology was based on. Let me, let me give you a quick, you, you, you've heard me talk about this before because I think this is so important. It's at the end of uh, Mark 2, the beginning of Mark 3. Uh, and let me just give you, it, 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 it was a Sabbath day. And Jesus and his disciples were walking through the grain fields. You remember this. And his disciples were grabbing the grain. Did you ever do that? Just be on my grandfather's farm and grab some wheat and stick it in your mouth. And it made the awfulest gum you ever saw. <laughs> but we did it. But they were, they, were, they, were, they were eating it. Well, by definition, that was work. They were working on the Sabbath day. And so... Hey, how come your disciples are breaking the Sabbath? And like a rabbi does, Jesus answers a question with a question. Have you never read about David when he was on the run from, from Saul? And he went to where the tabernacle was, where Abathar was the priest. And, you know, he said, can you help us out? Man, we're on the run. We don't have anything. He gave them the bread that was... Unlawful for them to have. Only the priests were supposed to eat the bread. He gave it to them. So he said, what about that? In other words, a commandment was broken. Was it okay? When is it okay to break a commandment? Now, that's, that's tricky. You have to really think about that. Only in order to keep a higher commandment. Immediately after this, he entered into a synagogue, and here was the man with the withered hand. You remember this incident? You remember this? You know all this. But I'm, I'm trying to put it together for you so you see something that's very important. And they were watching him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath in order that they might accuse him. What, what was the big deal here? Okay, remember the hierarchy most of the rabbis in this day and time said the first commandment was love the Lord your God. But the second one was remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. That was their understanding. 
most of them said that. That's why they got so upset when Jesus asked them, is it right to do good on the Sabbath? Is it right, uh, lawful? Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or kill? He's asking them, and nobody will say anything. It's one of the few times it says, he stretched out his hand, uh, uh, and after looking around at them with anger, that made Jesus angry. Grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he healed him. Their reaction was, the Pharisees went out and immediately began taking counsel with the Herodians against him as to how they might destroy him. We've got to kill this man. What? He's breaking the commandments. You see, that, that hierarchy was your understanding of God and what mattered to him. And that's legitimate to look at it that way. But it was not legitimate the way they had it figured. They were saying, in essence, no, a hungry man should not eat, not on the Sabbath if he has to gather it himself. No, a man with a withered hand should not be made whole. God wants him to wait. God wants you to wait. God does not want you doing this. They had the priorities wrong. They misunderstood what God wanted. They misunderstood the very heart and essence of God. How important is it to come to worship? Well, that's, that's important. It's always been important. It's important in New Testament times. It's important in Old Testament times. I mean, from the beginning, it's important. Today, it's important. You're here. You're watching. This is, this is something that's important. What if there's something more important? What if there's something that should come ahead of that? What if in the mind and heart of God, He is saying, I want you to, it's good that you're here. You know, Jesus recognized these priorities. He talked to the Pharisees about, you know, you're tithing the, the herbs, but you're forgetting the weightier matters. So he said, oh, yeah, that's fine. But there's something a lot more important that I would rather you tend to first before you got down to that. That's good to do that. But something else should be happening first. And that's what he's saying here. There are weightier matters. And one of them is your relationship with your brother. And I got to thinking about that. And I begin to realize it's all about relationships. All of it is about relationships. Our faith is not about keeping rules and laws. Our, relation, our religion is about relationships, a relationship with God. Our relationship with each other. That's what our faith is, is concerned with. That's what it's all about. Go back to the Ten Commandments. What were the first four? 
you'll have no other gods before me. You know, the first four were about your relationship with God. The last six was about your relationship with other people. Relationship. That's what it's always been. The tabernacle, later the temple, what it was about? Your relationship with God. The, the, the sacrifices, what was it all about? Oh, a picture of your relationship with God and what it was going to be later on in Jesus. It's all about relationships. In fact, every commandment, every directive, every teaching, every doctrine, get to looking at it. It is about your relationships, either with God, Jesus, or other people. There's some very specific teachings about your relationship with the Lord. There are some very specific teachings, commands, about your relationship to Jesus. About the Holy Spirit's relationship with us. Some very specific teachings about how our relationship is to be with each other. Chuck and I met to plan the worship service earlier in the week. And I said, we got to sing 448. Love one another, we, we got to sing that. Of course, that's my anthem. He knows that. I'm going to work that in every time I can. But it really fit this one. Because the Lord talks about our relationship with each other. And do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Is that's more important? He's saying that's more important than maybe you're being here today. He wants you to put a higher priority on those relationships. You want me to get practical? Say amen if you want me to get practical. I heard that's enough. I heard, I heard enough. <laughs> That's, I heard plenty. Uh, it doesn't take much, does it? Let me talk about your relationships with people. Let me talk about, let's start with your family. You know, did you know, and I've heard people do this, and I hear my children talk about this. They say, somebody told me that, oh, my parents are coming. I dread them getting here. Do you know that? Do you not have a good relationship with your children? Do you not have a good relationship with your parents? Let's start there. Do you not have a good relationship with your brother or your sister? Your siblings? You have trouble in relationships? Then there's something wrong. And it needs to be fixed. Now it may be them... And you may need to go and, and fix it with it. But it may be you. It just could be you. But whatever it is, the Lord is saying, I want you to fix those relationships. I want you to make them good. Like ours is. Based on this, I'm giving you the model right here. I'm showing you the love. I'm showing you the acceptance. I'm showing you the forgiveness. I'm showing you the grace. Now you take that and go put it in your relationships and make them good and make them sweet. 
Make them close. You heal some things. You have relationship. You have problems in your relationships at work. All those people up there, man, they just don't get me. They're they're bad. They're terrible. You have some problems in your. If you're the boss, you have some relationships with your people. Nobody, <laughs> nobody acts like they ought to. You know, I know how they ought to act, and they're not. Did you know we grew up? I say we, I'm talking about people of my generation, and there's several of us here, some of you not so much. We grew up in a generation encouraging judgment and harshness and self-righteousness. Yeah, we did. The Lord had to do a real number on me, and I dare say some of the rest of you, to get us through that. I tell people sometimes, I'm a, I'm a recovering Pharisee. Been there, done that. Well, why aren't you anymore? The Lord changed me. The Lord transformed me. The Lord's done a real number on me. I've heard people say, you don't preach like you did when I knew you 20 years ago. And I say, I would hope not. I would hope not. Don't you think I should have grown? Don't you think I should have learned? Uh, so I've always said, and, and people tease me about this, if you're going to quote me, Mike Warner said, date me. Mike Warner said back in 1969, yeah, but you know what? I mean, every, uh, don't misunderstand me. The basics are all still there. But the way, the heart, the attitude, it was more about law and rule than it was about relationship. It was. See, we have to begin to understand about ourselves. Can I tell you something about yourself? Oh, you're all messed up. I love you. But you, you're a mess. Yeah, I'm too. You say, right back at you. Well, sure. The Bible, <laughs> the Word of God, as the Lord begins to take us and say, I'm going to, I want to show you some things. I'm, I'm going to help you. It starts off with, let's get one thing straight. Are you listening? You know, have you ever had somebody get your face? Say, look at me. Look at me. Look at my eyes. Listen to what I'm saying. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay? There is none righteous, no, not one. Okay? Okay. We, we're starting off on level ground. You got it? Well, yeah, but I know some other people. You know what? We love to do that, don't we? Well, at least I haven't done you know what he's over there saying? At least I haven't done that. We're all messed up. We start there. Ephesians 2 describes it. He says, you once lived, now he's talking to Christians now, but he says, you once lived in your lust. In, in, in the, the desires of your mind. You did, you did whatever you wanted. You were selfish. You were self-centered. You were. It was all about you. 
You were a mess. Now I've got hold of you, and I'm going to, I'm going to change some things. I'm going to show you some things. I'm going to teach you some things. I'm going to teach you how to have a relationship with me that is holy. I'm going to teach you and change you so that you can have relationships with other people, particularly your brethren. Remember how Jesus described that? Oh, I want you to, it's a commandment. I want you to love one another like I have loved you. It's a commandment, but it's all about relationships. It's about how you deal with these people. Don't you be harsh. Don't you be judgmental. Don't you be mean. Don't you be always criticizing. Don't you be the person that they, when they see you coming down the hall, say, oh, no. They scatter before you like a bunch of quail. You know, that's not who we're supposed to be. You do not have the gift of criticism. It's not a spiritual gift. Well, that's my job to straighten people out. No, it's not. You ain't got yourself straightened out yet. Remember what Jesus said, something about get that thing out of your eye, that, that beam, before you start straightening everybody else out? You know, what he's saying, it's the relationships that, sh that define you as Christians. It's your relationship with Jesus. It's your relationship with each other. They will know you. They'll identify you by your love. For each other. That's, that's what our religion is all about. Look at other religions. I've, I've been studying some, reading some books of some people that left certain religions. I'm, I'm not going to get into that. But he said it's all about laws and rules. You have to follow the laws. You have to follow the rules. Whoever follows the laws the best, whoever follows the rules the most closely gets promoted, gets to take a step up and forward. That's not us. That's not who we are. Our faith is all about relationships. We used to have five steps to salvation. It was steps. And you better touch all the bases like Playing baseball and, and being sure. You, did he touch second base? Well, then it don't count. If he didn't touch second base, don't care if he came home. And, and we made, we've made baptism into something. Sometimes it wasn't. It was, it was a law. It was a rule. It was just a commandment. You just had to. And, and we refer to, you know, are you a Christian? Yes, I've been baptized. Like that's not taking away baptism. I'm saying it's for something different. It's relational. You understand? There's not another reason in the world for you to be baptized except to be buried into Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It's relational. It's like getting married. It's relational. It's all relational. And then... See, God, God does wonders with messed up people like us. <clears throat> I 
Oh, it was over in Hebrews 8. Let me, let me get there first, and then I'm going to go over to Peter. But it was in Hebrews 8 that he quotes from Jeremiah 31 and brings it over and says, Here is this new covenant that was promised. See, he said, I'll make a new covenant with the house of Jacob, with the house of Israel someday. There's going to be a new covenant. <clears throat> in Hebrews, it shows this is, this is, this is new. And the covenant was the relationship. I'm going to change the relationship. And it says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds, and I will write them upon their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. You hear how relational? But at the same time, changing. I'm going to, not going to be an outward commandment that's forced on you going to be an inward one that motivates you on your heart the kind of person you are and then Peter writes and I love these words but you who are you talking to you you, you Christians you have in a relationship with Jesus you have been baptized into him you have the Gift of the Holy Spirit, you're, you're trying to live with Him and for Him. It says, now, now you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. For you were once not a people, and now you are. You were once not saved, and now you are. Imagine this. If you were to look at yourself... I am God's holy priest. And you walk out that door today like that with the responsibility of showing forth the greatness of God. Let me show you something of the love of God. Let me show you, show you something of the grace of God. We have tried to use the words, the doctrines, to convert people and they're not ready to listen until they see the love of the grace, the mercy, the truth, the genuineness of who we are. They're not ready to listen to us, and I you can't much blame them. I want to see something that's real. I want to see something that's genuine. So how do I become that? How do I become that? I, uh, do you want that? I want to be that kind of person. See, he's trying to change us into that kind of person that exhibits the grace, the love, the truth. How do I become that? Well, let me get, let me get that real practical. How can that happen to me, who's such a messed up person, selfish? I mean, my natural character is selfish, self-centered, but change me into somebody besides that. The answer is Jesus. Faith in Him first. First, faith in Him, trust Him, believe in Him, who He is, what He's done, the cross, the redemption, the love, believe it, accept it. 
and want to be joined to him. I want him as my teacher. I want him as the one to tell me the truth. I want him as my redeemer. I want him as my friend. I want him to be my high priest. And see, everything that you can name, he is that. He's the focus. He's the heart. He's the one who makes it all happen. Jesus. Jesus, my Lord, my King, my Savior, my Redeemer. Love Him. Follow Him. Honor Him. Please Him. That is our life. Every decision you make, what would honor and please and be in keeping with His heart, His will? And it's more than just knowing the page. It's understanding His heart. What does He love? How does He see people? See, I want to love what He loves. I want to see people you the way he sees you he adores you your pictures on his refrigerator you're the apple of his eye you're his child and he's trying to help you help you be your best help you get through this world in the best way he's trying to show us this is this is best i've got it you may not even understand that always. You may not understand why it's best. This is best. This is, this is the way. Trust me. Seek His will. And desire for Him to change you. I would, I'm almost, almost tempted to ask for a show of hands. How many of you, you can look at yourself and see, Jesus has changed me. I... He has changed me. Number two, keep your hand up if you like what he's done. You ever go in somebody's house and they redecorate it and you say, I love what you've done to the place. I love what he's done to the place. Don't you? I love what he's done. Oh, it's better. It's happier. It's more joyous. It's freer. It's... Okay, so how do I have that? Want it? Ask for it? Open your heart. Keep studying. With the help of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you, changes, transformation will happen. You may learn to love in ways you never loved before. You may learn to extend grace in a way that totally escaped you before. You may learn to understand things you never saw before. He will transform you. You know that. But see, I'm, you know, I'm almost four score. He's pretty much done with me. I mean, you know, perfection. <laughs> My wife is still laughing. That's ridiculous, isn't it? I'm still learning. I'm still growing. Here's the secret. Fill up on Jesus. We keep saying, this was a conversation we had yesterday. Tom was out at my house, and Scott, my son, was there, and we were having this conversation. 
we were talking about so many people feel like, well, I need to quit this. I need to get away from this, this addiction. I need to, this hurt or this habit that I have. I need to quit this. I need to get rid of this. I need to overpower this. No, just fill up on Jesus and you'll crowd it out. That's the answer. Just fill up on him and it'll take care of itself. That's my message. That's what I wanted to get across. I hope, I hope there's something for you to think about that our religion is all about, totally about relationships. Lord, help us. Help us foolish, weak, sinful people who are trying to learn, who want to know you, who want to be transformed. Oh, Father, teach us, open our hearts, enlarge our minds, show us. We don't want to miss anything or be left out if there's something that we could have had that you were trying to give us. We pray that you give it to us. Make us into the people who are a blessing to others and who honor you. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, amen.